morning, everybody. Those of you that weren't in the second service last week, Sunday, <laughs> I missed a real show. Um, I noticed the attendance has increased today. <clears throat> Whether we're in one service, I think that might be it, but it could be the, the spectacle. <clears throat> I probably shouldn't tell you too many stories from the 1800s, but last Sunday reminded me, and a, and a higher number today, there was a, no other way to put it, but crazy. Um, a crazy Methodist preacher who was a tremendous preacher. But in the 1800s, middle 1800s, 1850s, 60s, emotionalism in general just was higher, and the kind of preaching was the all over the place. <clears throat> this guy was named W.B. Godby. Um, I have his autobiography, read a lot. He, he was just insane. Um, but he showed up, I think it was Uv Uvalde, Texas, and he went to the Methodist church there, and he was going to preach a revival meeting, and the first night, there, was there were very little people there, very few, small crowd, and it really bothered him. He claimed in his autobiography that he just prayed, Lord, what should I do, as he got up to preach, and there weren't hardly any people there now he claims that the words of scripture came to him be a fool for christ's sake <laughs> so he just started jerking and kind of drooling out of one corner of his eye and next night the place was jammed um so that was not the intent last week um to try to get a greater turnout um I think I'm going to be okay. I do appreciate. I got um, cards from several, lots of texts and emails uh, praying for me. It's, um, I'm going to be fine. It's about the lowest grade of vertigo that you can be plagued with. There's another, no other signs of anything else. Um, it is BPPV, and I want everybody to memorize that. Um, it's benign paroxysmal positional vertigo so i mean i got something that i can really you know wear a badge the local sheriff is supposed to get me a handicap with that handicap thing with that on it but i haven't seen it yet so <coughs> at any rate today memorial day um we want to look at the idea and the concept of remembering. And <clears throat> I want to read one chapter out of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. Um, if you don't know any or, or little much background of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is Moses' final sermon. It's really his last word to the people of Israel uh, just before he died, and while the people of Israel were camped in what's called the plains of Moab on the eastern side of the Jordan River, and as they were preparing to go over into the Promised Land and conquer that land. 
This is Moses' final word to them. And the word Deuteronomy means second law. We get that word from a repetition in Deuteronomy of the Ten Commandments. They are laid out for us in Exodus 20 when God gave them to Moses and he rehearses them to the people again in Deuteronomy. Why? To remind them that they don't forget it. So let's read together. Follow with me as I read Deuteronomy 8. We'll begin with verse 1. All the commandments that I am commanding you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. You shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these forty years. Thus you were to know in your heart that the Lord your God was discipling or disciplining you, just as a man disciplines his son. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear or reverence him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing forth in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vineyards and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will not lack anything, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose dill, uh, hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satiated or satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he's given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you've eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold multiply, and all that you have has multiplied, then your heart will become proud. You will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and that he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, 
for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. It shall come about, if you ever forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Notice here in this passage, and there are many others where the same command is repeated, you shall, you shall remember. Now often we look at memory as an involuntary thing. Well, I just can't remember. Sometimes we can't. Uh, we do our best and later hopefully that person's name comes to us. But there is a big element <coughs> of remembrance that we're ordered to do. You shall remember. Just twice in this passage, in this chapter, you shall remember. That's an order. That's a command. It's not an involuntary thing. You're to concentrate and in, intensely and intently make yourself recall all of God's dealings with you in your life. If you've ever read the Psalms very much, <clears throat> the Psalms are filled with usually a pattern, especially it seems like in David, a pattern of approaching God in some kind of difficulty, trouble, enemies chasing him, circumstances turned badly against him, and he lays those out to God. He talks about how I have more enemies than the hairs on my head, and he lays out his case. But then, not only is there the help of the Holy Spirit, but this verse or this statement that is not anywhere in the Bible, so I hate to disappoint you, but the Lord does help those who help themselves. Okay? Everybody says, well, you know how the Bible... It doesn't say that. However, if we intentionally say, like the psalmist so frequently, I will remember all the way the Lord led me, all the places He helped me, all the times He came to my aid, all the times He encouraged my heart, all the times God gave good things to me and walked with me, <clears throat> carried me through hard days. If we will purposely say, I'm going to remember those, the pattern of so many of the Psalms, then David or the psalmist that wrote it would begin to come up out of the hole, out of the darkness of depression, and out of the difficulty of discouragement and start saying, you know, first of all, I don't have it so bad. And God got me through things worse than this, and I was still standing when I got through it. There's hope. Memory, <clears throat> intentionally remembering things, 
is powerful. Now, quickly here, on, well, I'll get to the theme of today. The command to remember and the other command, don't forget, implies a couple things. One, that we have a tendency to forget. Now, that's not just a memory thing, but I think specifically it is a particular danger for those who have it well. Like Americans. Now, I know that individually we can have dark days physically, uh, terminal diseases, deaths, and so forth. But I'm talking about our culture as a whole. We have it better than any place on the planet. And so it's easy for us, swamped with affluence, ease, leisure, to forget all the good God's done for us because we're used to good. And so this implies that we all have a tendency to forget. Second, we then have a tendency when we forget to begin to slip away from old values we once held, old habits we once practiced, good ones. And we begin to kind of slip our moorings. And without recognizing it, we're no longer tied up at the dock. And we begin to drift. And then we turn aside from the, what the Scriptures talks about, the old paths, the way heavily trodden by the saints and people of God of past centuries. We forget all those things. We have a tendency to that. We have to guard against. Now, Memories are powerful both in secular or in sacred things. And here are, there's five things that memories do for us in general. And then I want to just look at this passage. Memories then, here are five general things that remembering our past does for us. One, they help us retain or preserve things. Remember, being a bit facetious here, remember the thing in America called the Constitution? The reason we refer to it so often is because there is, especially in these days, there is a strong trend to abandon it, forget it, and violate it. Memories keep alive. They preserve certain things, whether it be a constitution or whether it be social norms, particular mores that are part of a culture. They keep them alive. Second thing, memories serve to rally. If we remember in our past, just secular history, remember the Alamo, or those of you, um, 
I don't think any of you are old enough to remember that. Um, I, of course, remember in 1898 the um, Remember the Maine, the ship named the Maine that was blown up um, <coughs> in the, Span the start of the Spanish-American War. Remember Pearl Harbor. Those tend to rally us. And in warf warfare, there are even recent battles. Remember what we did. Remember what the enemy did to us at the Battle of the Bulge or whatever else. They rally us. There's a sense then, in a spiritual sense, we rally. Christians are intended to rally every Sunday. We, why are we here on a Sunday? Why does the Bible call it the Lord's Day? It's the day Jesus rose from the dead, utterly bankrupting and defeating Satan. And he said, I have in my hands the keys of death and of hell. And Satan is defeated. The prince of this world has been judged. We are to gather every Lord's Day around that rallying memory. Remember, too, what do we have, what do we say, what do we read when we gather together for the Lord's Supper? Do this, Jesus said, in what? Remembrance of me. That's why we gather. There is a third thing that memory does. It refocuses us. It keeps us coming back to our reason why we're here. Whatever it might be. It's the same thing like this national holiday. It's in memory of those specifically, not just who served in the services, but those who died. Those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. And it's not just windbag talk that because they perished, because they died, we yet today have the liberty to gather here. That matters. It helps us refocus. We need to do that. I, if, if I were emperor of the universe, which I, I wish I were, but um, I haven't made it yet, there would be there would be no need for, what is it called, Tunnel to Towers, that fund, Wounded Warrior, those funds. Why do we have to raise outside money for people that either left their family or who are so horribly damaged that they can't 
live in the home they have, can't function. Why in the world should we have to raise a dime out of the culture? There's, there's where I'd break the bank as far as the national budget. Those people died for us. Or in some cases, even still living, they have no life. It helps us refocus. I remember, don't remember what I was complaining about, but I was complaining uh, in my mind in college. And um, I, I had it bad and whatever. And I went around, came around a corner of the administration building heading to a class, and there in a wheelchair was a recent Vietnam veteran. I know God brought that about. I just felt God reprimand me. Now, he didn't give his whole life, but partially his whole life was altered from that day forward with legs gone. And I was complaining for, you know, having to write a paper or whatever it was that I was very upset about. It helps us refocus. You know what? Unfortunately, I'll just speak of myself. I've had to refocus many times after that case. But that day, I did some refocusing. You understand what I mean? So to be reminded. And ultimately, what does honoring those who died physically for physical liberty what does that, how does that compare? Jesus died for me. He died for me. I owe him. Paul said, because I know he died for me, I no longer can live unto myself. Lots of people do, but I can't be right and do it. I've thought... And I don't want to get too far off the subject here. But I've thought at times, I've spent my whole life <coughs> in the pastorate. And was, I was, you know, inflicted upon an unsuspecting poor congregation at 22 years of age. Knowing then everything there is to know. I preach some of the greatest sermons. This is nuts. This is just nuts as I look back on it. And one person here in the audience remembers these. I could preach wonderful sermons using all kinds of scriptures and I'll tell you what on how to raise children before I had any. That's crazy. <laughs> but anyway, why God unleashes 22-year-olds on a congregation, I'll never know. Um, I didn't know he was that desperate. But at any rate, I think at times, after decades of pastoring, and in any job, there are times when you get weary and you think, you know, it'd be nice to be maybe have some view of the bighorns and you sit on the covered porch and you drink coffee and I don't have to live by anybody else's schedule. 
you know what? What I mean by that? Not just I have to go to work, but I think, okay, the phone rings and it may be an emergency, it may be whatever. You feel almost like your time is not your own. And it's just so bad. <laughs> and I've thought, you know, how long do you do this? Especially after last Sunday. I think, well, <laughs> you know, am I going to lose my mind or what, what's going on here? But then I remember, and I talk to myself. In fact, I talk to myself on Lakeway in the midst of all that mess. Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. My life is not my own. If he does not choose to give me the, you know, the relaxing looking out in the sunset stuff, which would, frankly, you know what? I'd be bored crazy in about four days. So it's okay. But I don't have a right to my life in the sense of, why well, don't I do this? It's about time I got a break. I need some rest. Jesus died for me. That'll help you refocus, or it should. Then, there's a fourth thing. Memories reunite us. They bring us back together. Let me give you a quick illustration. World War I, when America finally entered that war, and they landed, and thousands of American soldiers marched through Paris. If anybody knows a little history, what they did as they marched through the main avenue of Paris, as they marched in time, to just their sounds of their footsteps. They spoke, chanted over and over, Lafayette, we are here. What's that a reference to? A hundred and some years earlier, 150 years by then, Lafayette was critical help in the war of the Revolutionary War in American or in training American troops and in military know-how, our country didn't even have a West Point or anything yet. And so there wasn't anybody left who knew who or knew Lafayette, but culturally and as a country, we remembered him. And that repayment of his help as our soldiers marched into Paris was on their minds. And it, it melds us together, it reunites us. Finally, memories bring about return. We return to old paths that we have abandoned the good way that we have slipped away from. When I was a little kid, um, my mother was, she tried to um, teach us some culture, um, and 
in some ways, I don't mean this at all, um, to the thousands out there that are watching on the streaming who might know my family. My dad was not some primitive sort of a <coughs> person, but he wasn't into classical music and the opera and so forth. He was a Tennessee Ernie Ford person. Okay, So I grew up listening to Tennessee Ernie Ford singing gospel songs. And he had a, there was a record I can remember, but God used it on me. Um, and he would sing a lot of these older, more Southern Methodist invitation hymns. And there was one that would go round and round in my head sometimes lying in bed at night far away from God. And it was entitled, Precious Memories. How they linger. How they hover over my soul. There's another one that I remember. I wandered far away from God. Lord, I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. One of God's, and I'm convinced of this, one of God's greatest strategies, one of His greatest influence on us is to haunt us with memories of better days spiritually. He tugs at our hearts that way. He brings old scenes to our minds all for the purpose of reminding us like he said like Jesus said in the book of Revelation to the Ephesian church. Here's that word again. Remember. He said, remember from whence you have fallen and return and repent. Memory is, that's one thing I don't necessarily think is good about evangelicalism in America. Now, I'm an evangelical, meaning we believe in Scripture and personal relationship with God and all that. But much of evangelicalism um, disdains, and in our history, disdains liturgy, ritual. And we think of the more liturgical churches with the responsive readings and the printed prayers and all. Ah, it's just mainline, it's just liberal. I think in not having those, we eliminate a strong tug that God implants in people's hearts. I remember several times standing up here on the platform 
dedicating an infant or whatever and watched the parents mouth follow along with me as I read because I don't have it memorized the Apostles Creed we're you know we don't believe in all that ritual stuff well I don't think that's so good it's a tool of God it's a leash on our hearts to remind us quick story comes to my mind clear back in the 1700s I don't I remember the or the, the name was given but I can't remember it of a person who had been um, in, thrown into debtor's prison in Ireland which was a bad way to get your debts back or get your money back but while this guy was in debtor's prison, he was far away from God, he was wicked in his life, both his wife and his daughter died of some plague. So when he finally got released from jail, he was alone. And he decided to kill himself. And he believed that God didn't care for him. He didn't matter to God. So he was climbing the arch of a stone bridge to jump off into a gorge near the village he lived. And as he climbed that stone arch, <clears throat> the words of the Apostles' Creed, the first line, I believe in God the Father Almighty, came to his mind. And here's how God reasoned, him, reasoned with him from that little sentence. That he suddenly, it occurred to him, I'm a father. I am broken over my, especially my little girl who's gone. And God helped him make the connection. Wouldn't that father love me at least as much as I love my little daughter. That jogged his memory, turned around his climb, came down off of the stone arch, found God, and lived the rest of his life as a follower of Christ. That's how God uses memory. And that's why he said, you remember, you shall. It's a command. So memories call us back to times that we knew we were better. The obvious comparison then spiritually to the physical memories that recall us to, as I said, cultural rights, the obligation we have to people who have gone before us and paid price after price that we can enjoy what we have today. The obvious comparison, of course, is Jesus. He loves me. He died for me. Romans, Paul says, if the Father 
didn't spare his own son, but freely offered him up for us all. Shall he not much more through him freely give us all things? I owe Jesus. So, without appearing cheesy, as a Christian, remembering Christ, every day needs to be Memorial Day. Every day is to be thankful for all the way the Lord our God has led us to keep alive the covenant with Him. We will... That's the introduction. I never got to the points, but that's okay. I wanted to close today, and I don't know if we'll end up singing if you want to come to the front. I don't know if Jessica will play this or we'll sing it um, a cappella. But I want us to sing an ancient, ancient piece of music. Very short. The doxology. And I'd like for us to stand as we sing it. It has to do with remembering and current praise and thanksgiving. Let's pray. Father in heaven, in the quiet of this sanctuary, as we look at this day that we have marked in our own country as Memorial Day, may with grateful hearts we walk out of this place today knowing that the sacrifices that have been made for us on our behalf, where people have given everything, that we may have an opportunity to stand in this room this morning in our country and confess the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and have the freedom to do that. That has come at a high price for many people over the generations, Lord, and may we never lose sight of that. May we always be willing to recognize, celebrate, and remember what's been given us. But Father, more than that, as our pastor shared with us this morning, the one who gave all that we could have eternity in heaven our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, may we never lose sight of the fact of the extent that you went to to redeem us back into a relationship with you. May we always remember by the prompting of your Holy Spirit to live a life to your glory because of what's been done, not to earn anything, 
but to live our lives because of what's been done. So now we go out and do everything we do by your grace to your glory. So help us to celebrate this Memorial Day and remember. But as our pastor encouraged us as well, Lord, every day should be celebrated and recognized as Memorial Day as Christians because of what Christ has done for us. May we never take that for granted. And may we always live our lives in such a manner to show others that we remember what's been done for us so that we can one day land safely on heaven's shores and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. You're dismissed. Have a great day, everyone.